This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Good morning. Glad that you're here today. Um, If you are uh, between the grades of 5th and 8th grade, you can go ahead and be dismissed. 4180. You can follow right out this door, and uh, they're going to have a teaching by Pastor Stephen, um, as well as if you're going to the baptism class, go ahead and make your way out to the cafe at this time, um, and Pastor Keith is going to teach that this morning. Man, I hope that you really enjoyed uh, Bob Utley being with us, if you were able to be here for that. I really enjoyed that. Um, it was fantastic. If you missed any of those, um, I would encourage you to go online. They're on our website, wgcc.com. You can listen to any of those messages, and also you can download um, his commentary. One of the things I really enjoyed about Dr. Utley's commentary was that um, he prefaces every one of the books of the Bible that he goes through by saying, listen, don't you believe in a commentary, you believe in the Bible. And uh, he said, so my job is not to tell you what to believe, my job is to get you to think. Amen? Amen. And so I I love that. I love that approach because so many times uh, I, I began to think about just the humility in that statement, because so many times when you even think about a secular college, um, oftentimes you run into the know-it-all professors. You know, if you've uh, had that experience, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, yeah, I had a know-it-all professor. Um, if you are a professor of a secular college here, don't be the know-it-all professor. Uh, <laughs> but I love that here's this man who's been teaching the Bible for 40 years, and he humbly gets up and says, listen, I know enough to know that I don't know it all. And so just to be able to share that truth with us, and that's how we always need to approach the Word of God. We need to approach the Word of God in a way where we're saying, God, help me to not see your truth through my filter, but help me to see your truth just for who you are. Because I don't want to serve God for who I want Him to be. I want to serve God for who He is. Amen? Amen. I don't want to live for God for who I want Him to be, because then that puts me in the driver's seat of getting to dictate how God operates. No, I want to say, God, challenge me. Challenge my filters, the filter of my experience. Challenge the filter of the way I was raised. Change the, uh, challenge the filter of perhaps the denomination that I grew up in, if you grew up in church. Challenge the filter of what others have told me or my perceptions. And let those things be reset according to your word and not towards my idea or my thought or the way that I want you to be. Instead, I'm just going to say, God, show me who you are and help reset my, uh, my, my beliefs to be able to line up with your truth because it doesn't matter necessarily uh, what we believe that makes something true. It's that the Bible is true and we choose to believe it. Amen? Amen. It's that we go, just because I believe the Bible doesn't mean all of a sudden that it's true. So therefore, truth would be uh, relative. But we believe that God's word is the standard for his truth and it is absolute. Amen? It reveals to us who he is. And so we've been using the Bible as our toolkit for life as we started this series a couple weeks ago and the very first tool that I shared with you was the hammer. I wanted to have the hammer up here on the stage just to remind you because that message was entitled Hammer Out Fear and we were talking about how God has given us victory over fear through us reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ by getting into his word and today we're going to talk about cutting to the core and using that saw of the word of God to get to the very core of who we are so God can deal with our hearts and deal with the real us not the us that we try to sell everybody else on. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word with your people. 
I pray, God, that you would just anoint me to speak it with clarity and with authority. And I pray, Father, that it will be heard by people who are hungry for more of you. That your truth, Father, will just sane through our lives. That it will sane through our ears, through our mind, and it will pierce the very core of our being. It will pierce our heart. And I pray that it will bring about the change in us that would bring you glory, Father, and that would do exactly what you have set forth your word to accomplish in every person's life this day. In Jesus' name, I thank you in advance for it. Amen. Let's go ahead and go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 1. You can also follow along on new version. If you have that app on your phone, you can do the live uh, version if you would like to look for that and follow along with the notes here. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 10. But before we read verse 1 through 10 in Hebrews 4, I want you to pay attention to three things, okay? As we read this together, I want you to look for three things. I underline them in my Bible because when I was studying and preparing for this message, it actually jumped out at me, and I like actually wrote in my Bible. I underlined, <clears throat> I underlined uh, uh, those things in, in the Bible and actually wrote in the margins. And, and if you don't want to write in your Bible, then write it on, on a piece of paper or one of those note cards in the seat back. I would encourage you to do that as we go through this. And the three things we're going to be looking for are references where someone spoke, references where someone heard, and then references to the heart, okay? So we're looking for speaking, hearing, and heart. And we're going to talk about that and exactly that process here in just a little bit. Hebrews 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, God's rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now, here's the writer of Hebrews. Some believe it was Paul. I believe it was Paul, too. So we're just going to say it's Paul. And if you think it's somebody else, then you can call him that person. But for our purposes, we're, we're going to say Paul wrote this. Um, Paul, writing the book of Hebrews, is saying, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering God's rest... Let's fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So I believe that here, if we look at this uh, interpretation of this scripture, we see previously that Paul was referencing Joshua and Moses because you remember that Joshua and Moses were very key to leading the people of Israel out of the time of slavery where they had been in bondage under Egyptian slavery for 400 years and Moses leads them out and then Moses eventually dies and then Joshua takes over. Now Joshua was one of two of the people who spied out the promised land that these guys were heading to to see if it was wise to go ahead and step in and take the land or if they needed to spend more time seeking what God wanted them to do. What do we do here? So they said, let's go spy it out first and just assess the land. Out of all 12 of the spies that went out from the uh, Israelites, 10 of them came back and gave a negative report, but two of them brought back a positive report. That was Joshua and Caleb. And so here is the writer of Hebrews, and he's referencing the promised land, okay? He's referencing the promise of God. He's referencing the power of the promise of God being in the fact that we call it the word of God. His word is his promise. Amen? Amen. And he is, he's going to follow through on it and be a man of his word and do what he said he was going to do. He's faithful to see his word performed. So here is Paul telling these people that he's writing to, listen, we need to remember the promise that was given to these Israelites when they left Egyptian captivity. They were headed towards a promised land. Let's make sure that we focus on the fact that God said it and not the circumstance or not what things look like. He said, because 
let's, let's make sure that we're still focusing on the fact that God is good, and if he said it, then he is going to be faithful to do it. So we can enter into his rest, lest we fear that anyone may come short of it. So he said we need to stay focused on his promise, because he's going to do what he said he would do. Because just like those ten out of the twelve spies that came back with the negative report, they didn't enter into the rest of the Lord. They didn't enter into the promise because they didn't trust that God was truly going to do what he said he was going to do. Now, when we see this word rest here, that's them using this as an analogy. This is the writer using this as an analogy to the people that he's writing to to remind them the fact that God is faithful to his promise. But we can also look at rest as being a heaven, which will be eternal rest for those who put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. We can also look at rest as a present tense sense of rest based on verse 2. So as we read verse 2, he says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So he's referencing, there's people who hear the word of God, who hear the promise of the Lord, and they choose not to believe it, and they don't have rest. They're trying to control everything. They're not trusting in God. They don't truly have faith in the fact that he is going to be faithful to do what his word says he's going to do. He said, so we need to make sure that we remind ourselves of this promise, that there is a promise that remains of entering his rest, that either being heaven or even now because the gospel was preached to us. Now, if the gospel is preached to us, that is the good news that I don't have to earn or work for my salvation, that my salvation is wrapped up in the grace of God that was given to me through his son, Jesus Christ, and my faith in that grace is what makes me right in the eyes of God. Amen? I'm trusting in the fact that Jesus paid it all. So I have a present tense rest. And then I have a future tense rest, being heaven as my eternity. All right, are you tracking with me so far? Verse 3, for we who have believed do enter that rest. He said, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He's referencing there those people who do not believe that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. For he has spoken in certain in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. So now he's referencing rest as being a Sabbath or seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now let's look at the next verse, verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those who enter it first preached, they did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, and do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did. So in other words, what the writer here is saying is that there is a promise that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, and we need to chill out and trust in him. Amen? Amen. You remember the famous uh, uh, poet or theologian Aaron Rodgers. He told us all to relax. (laughs) Everybody was freaking out. He told everybody to relax. That's kind of what God is telling us to do. He's saying, I want you to rest. I want you to relax because if I said I was going to do something, then I'm going to do it. 
Now, you don't have any control or say so over how, when, and where God does whatever he's going to do. But if he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Amen? Amen. Because he's wanting us to grow in trusting him. And that trust has to go to a deep level where we're willing to allow the very word of God to navigate our lives. Whether that is to a comfortable place or to an uncomfortable place. Whether it's to where we're in the promised land and we're high-fiving and everybody's hugging and everybody's holding hands singing kumbaya and eating cotton candy every day and Skittles and it's wonderful. (laughs) Or perhaps maybe you go through a more difficult season. God is saying, I still want you to trust me. Regardless of what the circumstances say, regardless of what may be happening in your life, I'm still worthy to be trusted. And if we trust God, this awesome thing happens. We can rest because we realize that we're trusting in the one who has promised that he's for me, not against me. Amen? Amen. That my pursuit of God is not contingent upon my circumstances. That my pursuit of God is not contingent upon whether things are going my way or not. Because sometimes we only pursue God when everything's falling apart. Sometimes we only pursue God in the midst of crisis. Sometimes we only pursue Him when things are tough. But God is saying, no, I want you to trust me when things are going great and when things aren't. Because that's what faith is. It's me believing in what I cannot see. It's me trusting that God is good even though my situation may not be good right now. And he's saying, if I spoke it, if I said it, that is going to reveal something in your heart that's either going to lead you to try to control everything or it's going to lead you to rest. If you trust, it's going to lead to rest. He's saying, because you need to understand I'm for you. Even when I take my word and I want to do a little operating on you and in you, I'm still for you. Even when I want to purge things out of your life, it's still me being for you. Even when the waves are high and the winds are intimidating, I'm still for you, is what God is trying to get us to understand that His promise should bring us rest. You remember the story when there was a big uh, storm and all the disciples are in the boat with Jesus? And what was Jesus doing? Freaking out, going, Oh no, what are we going to do? There is a big storm here. No, all the disciples were doing that. Jesus was taking a nap. And the disciples woke him up and said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Literally, Jesus, 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 help us. He was asleep going, oh man, I was like having this awesome dream. And now I don't even remember what it was. You woke me up right before the good part. Here was Jesus taking a nap on the boat. These guys wake him up because they're freaking out. And he says, oh, you guys, you, you have little faith. He said, all right, seize." Be still. Don't you know that if you're with me that I'm going to take care of you? That's what he's trying to say. He's trying to get them to understand he is faithful. So we should be able to rest in the middle of whatever life brings us because we know that God is faithful. So let's see what happens when we dive deeper into that trust. Verse 11. It says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So he's using that story of the children of Israel being led out of the promise, I mean being led out of Egyptian slavery and being led into the promised land. He's using that story as an analogy to help to illustrate how God wants us to trust and not follow the same example that the majority did of believing the negativity, believing the intimidation, and not trusting in God. Because if you trust God, there's a present rest 
and there is a future rest. Amen, somebody? Amen. Now, then he goes on to say this. The writer says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is really interesting to me because here I'm seeing this verse that, quite honestly, I've heard most of my life. If you grew up in church, you have probably heard this verse. I remember a Bible that was given to me when I was about 12 years old on the very uh, first page when you write your name in the first page of the Bible there. It has a space for your name. I wrote this verse there because I'd always heard this verse, but I'd never heard all the verses before. And we know that if we're truly to interpret the Bible holistically, the way that God wants to truly speak to us, do we pick out all of the verses that we want, or do we say, let's look at it in context? We want to look at it in context, amen? And so when I was preparing for this message this weekend, I was going, you know, this is one of the first times that I can really say in my life that I've looked at Hebrews 4 and 12 truly in context, and really diving down deep into trying to understand what exactly God is saying. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. Well, first of all, the word of God here is referencing God's promises. If he said he was going to do it, that is his word. Now, we reference this Bible as his word, and that's true also. You see in John 1 and 1 where Jesus is referenced as the word. In the beginning was the word, talking about Jesus, and the word was God, and the word was with God. But here in this essence, the word of God is literally referencing the promises of God that have either been written down or spoken that he is going to be faithful to do what he said he was going to do. Because when God makes a promise, it's an alive promise. It's a powerful promise. It's a sharp promise. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it has an agenda and it has a purpose. And it's going to be doing some cutting. All right? It's going to be doing some operation. You guys remember playing the game Operation? That's nothing to do with my sermon, but it's popped in my brain. I had to get it out. He wants to do a little operating on what? Our hearts. The Word of God, the promise of God, wants to do a little operating on our heart. It's going to pierce and divide something. What's it piercing and dividing? Let's see. Here he gives a comparative illustration. He says, I'm going to cut and divide soul and spirit, just like you would cut and divide joints and marrow, just like you would discern thoughts and intents of the heart. God says that my promises are going to cut open who we are, not who we try to fool everybody else that we are, but who we really are. It's going to cut us to the core. Now, when you look at a joint, a joint is made up of a very hard bone, all right? A very hard bone that, that, that has a certain function there. But the marrow is the inside of the bone that's actually alive. If you look at bone marrow transplants and all these things that they're doing, it, it's really crazy stuff that they're doing with that. Because that material, it's very soft. It's very alive. And he's saying, listen, oftentimes our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Oftentimes our soul, the way we think, our will, our desires, the way that we respond and act, our will the way we feel about things, oftentimes that can be much like that hard area. He says, but listen, I want to actually pierce that and get to the soft 
living area to expose who I really am. And that way we can say, God, not my will, but your will. Amen? Amen. He said, I'm actually wanting to separate this. I'm wanting to allow my word, my promise to separate the way you think, to separate the way you feel, to separate the way you would reason and what your desire would be. And I'm trying to expose and reveal my desire to you by exposing your desire to you as well. Because you think God is surprised by your motives? You think God is surprised by our deeds that we may do in darkness? Do you think God is surprised by those things? You go, I had no idea you were doing that. My goodness, naughty, naughty, naughty. Is that what God does? Is he shocked? No. He knows everything. Amen? Amen. He knows who we really are. He knows what we really desire to do. He knows how we really feel about something. And he knows how we really actually think. He is a discerner of those things. He sees right to the core of who we are. The problem is, is that we get really, really ridiculously good at fooling one another. And we think that if we've got one another fooled, that we've got God fooled. We think that if we can fool the pastor, or we can fool our, 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 our accountability partner, if we have one, or if we can fool our spouse, or if we can fool our children, or fool our boss, that we're something, or, 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 or fool our friends at church, that we're something that we're really not, then God is kind of in on the gig too. And he's like, I had no idea. You can put on the best show for everybody else. But God sees right through it. Amen? Amen. You can say all the right things. You can do all the right things. But God is looking at the motive. He's looking at the intent of the heart. He sees through it. And what his word does, being quick, alive, and powerful, and sharp is that it's separating our idea of what God is and how God operates and how we should trust Him, and He's showing us who He really is. He's saying, listen, I want you to trust me for who I am. I want you to know that I am who I say that I am. And that should drive us to experiencing the fullness of God, whether that be through repentance, whether that be through us walking in different levels of freedom because now we're learning more about him because he's, he's divided the way I may feel about it or the way I've got everybody fooled or think that I have everybody fooled. And he's saying, no, I'm exposing who you really are if you will be willing to allow my word to pierce. Now you remember I had you check out those three areas, speaking, hearing, and heart. That's the reason I wanted to show that to you is because that's the process in which God uses his word to cut to the core. There's the speaking portion, there's the hearing portion, and then it gets right to the heart. That's why Romans 10 and 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So my faith is stirred in trusting that God is who he says he is, because I have heard, and he has cut. He is making this operation, this incision in my heart to separate my ideas from his reality because I may allow my circumstances to define who he is. I may allow what someone has told me growing up define who God is and how he operates. I may be, get very discouraged. I may be surrounded by a lot of negativity and therefore that will impact and influence how I may feel about God. Why do we believe negativity quicker than we believe God's promise? 
I, I don't understand that. I, I'm even talking about myself. Why, why do we side with negativity? We are so quick to side with negativity. Well, I guess, you know, my mother was a worrywart. I guess I'm going to be a worrywart too. It just runs in the family. We're all just worriers. We're just going to... And you, you trap yourself in this feeling of isolation like you are destined and doomed to worry about everything for the rest of your life. Why do we buy into that? Why do we believe that when we sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God? Why do we have a harder time believing that? We have such an easy time subject, subjecting ourselves to that slavery. Well, I guess it just is the way that it is. Like things can't change. Like we have no hope. Like we can't trust God. We very easily fall into the category of those ten spies who came back after spying out the land with a negative report. That's crazy. Why would the majority always be attracted to that negativity when God's promises are so good? But to have faith to believe those promises, we need to hear the word. Amen? Because it separates my idea it separates me from the negativity. It separates me from my will. It separates me from the filters. Hello, somebody. From the filters that I may want to hear his word through. Because sometimes the word will be presented and it's spoken and I hear it, but I want to refuse it because I don't like it. I want to go find a church that preaches about cotton candy and bunnies and fairies. That's the kind of church that I want to go to. I don't want to hear anything that may challenge me. I don't want to hear anything that may cause me to be driven to my knees. I don't want to hear anything that may convict me or may confront me because it's exposing something in me I don't want to be, that I don't want exposed. It's knocking on an area. But you see, the thing we need to realize is even in the hard things that God confronts us with, it's still done out of love, it's still done for your good, it's still done for your benefit, just because you may hear something that may challenge you doesn't mean all of a sudden God has abandoned you and He's against you. No, He's for you because He's trying to deliver you out of that junk that's been controlling your life. He doesn't want you to be consumed or controlled by any other thing. He doesn't want you to be controlled by money. He doesn't want you to be controlled by perversion or pornography or sex. He doesn't want you to be controlled by lust. He doesn't want you to be controlled by fear of what other people think about you. He doesn't want you to be controlled by what others may say about you or to you. He wants you to be free. But we have such a hard time believing that. And we think that if God brings something up, that all of a sudden we have to be ashamed. No, God is saying that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of of sin and death. He said, actually, I'm trying to show you you're free. It makes you feel bad. It might make you go, ooh, I don't want to hear that. But if we submit to it, then we're trusting that God is good and He's for me and He's on my side. And He's separating He's separating what I've been believing, what I've been feeling, what I've been thinking in order to line up more in tune with His Spirit that dwells in me. You see, when I allow that word to pierce and divide and I submit myself to it and I don't run away from it, it begins to do heart work in me. Because hearing the spoken word of God cuts to my core. It cuts to my core and it exposes things in my life. There's a story, I believe it's in Mark 3 or Mark 4, I I don't remember quite exactly, but I know it's early on in the book of Mark, where Jesus has a a great group of people in the synagogue, and he's teaching, all right? 
Jesus is doing some teaching in the synagogue, but there's a man in the crowd that Jesus knows is there. But I got a feeling that he doesn't want Jesus to know he's there. This guy has a withered hand, all right? He has a physical deformity, and this man is present in this meeting where Jesus is speaking. I had a friend who used to play the drums who had a withered hand. He used to take duct tape and tape up the drumstick. One of the best drummers I've ever played with. He's really an amazing drummer. But he has a, a deformity, a withered hand. Now, when my friend would go to meet someone and you would say, Hi, my name is, and you stick your hand out to shake his hand, do you think that he would offer up the withered hand to greet you? Or do you think he would offer up his hand that just looks like everybody else's? Well, of course, he's going to offer forth his strong hand. Most of the time, if you know anyone who has uh, something like that that's wrong with uh, their hand, whether I've known people who only have one hand, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, those people, they'll kind of hide those things. They've gotten really good at hiding them. You know, if he had a coat on, he might walk around like this, you know, hey, how's it going? Hey, good to see you. He doesn't want to walk around exposing his weakness or what may be different than what other people may be used to seeing. And this man is in the crowd, and Jesus is preaching. And Jesus doesn't go, oh, I want to heal this man, but I sure don't want to embarrass him. I'll tell you what, maybe we'll do a little after-service prayer powwow. That's what we're going to do. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, hey, you, stand up. Wow. Thanks a lot, Jesus. Right? I've been working my whole life. I've been called names. I've been picked on. People think something has, is wrong with me. And you're making me stand up in front of everybody. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate this. This is love, okay? Is, is, is Jesus love? Amen. Amen. So this is love. He's not trying to embarrass this man, but here's this man. And, and not only is he standing up, but he says, I want you to stretch forth your hand. The man has two options, right? He's got two hands. He's got two options here. Stretch forth my hand. What, you going to give me some money or something? Maybe I stretch forth my, my strong hand? But the man knew what Jesus was wanting. But did Jesus say, stretch forth your hand and I'll heal you? Did he say that? No. He just said, stretch forth your hand. So there was a degree of trust that this man had to have that Jesus is good. Right? And Jesus is not trying to harm him. And Jesus is not trying to embarrass him. That Jesus has only good intention for this man. So in faith, the man takes the very weakness that he's been hiding from all humanity that he has been ashamed of and embarrassed by, that he has been mocked and ridiculed from, the thing that he's grown up trying to mask his entire life, Jesus wants. And he says, stretch forth your hand. He stretched his hand out, and the man's hand was made whole. Now let me ask you this. Could Jesus have healed the man's hand without the man ever doing anything? Absolutely he could have. But Jesus chose to call the man out. Jesus chose to ask the man to stand up. Jesus chose to ask the man to stretch forth his hand. I mean, come on, Jesus. Why couldn't he have been like, wow, my hand's been withered my whole life, and Jesus just healed it, and it's, been, it's amazing, praise God. Why didn't he just do it that way? Because when God's power is activated is when you and I step out and trust that he is good and he is for us. And we trust in the word of God. You see, Jesus gave this man his word to stand up, and he obeyed. He didn't say everything was going to work out the way you want it to. He didn't say, I'm going to do everything you want me to do. He said, now stretch out. He still didn't have anything to hold on to other than, i got to trust this guy's good. And this guy's for me. Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe God is good? Then why do we struggle so much with allowing him to deal with the weaknesses in our lives? 
Why do we want to only present our strengths to God when God is saying, no, my word is wanting to cut and divide and deal with those areas in your life that you're trying to hide? He said, I'm a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. I'm wanting to see straight through all that, and I'm wanting to deal with it, and you've got to stop running away from my word. So when the word of God that you may hear or that you may read or that God may prompt in your heart is uncomfortable and he's asking you to stand up and stretch out your hand, you need to do it and stop walking around hiding. Amen, somebody? He's cutting to my core because he's wanting to help me, not because he's wanting to hurt me. When we think about cutting, we think about pain. We think about, that's not cool. Nobody's like, sign me up for surgery. Sounds like fun. We don't want to go through that. But we know that in order for us to truly be healed and healthy and be representatives of Jesus Christ in the earth and be people who are going to bring glory to the name of God, that we have to submit and we have to trust. That's why all of 4 through verse 10 was just talking about trusting in the promise and doing what? What was the result of the trust? Rest. Resting in the promise of God. Resting in the fact that God is good. Resting in the fact that I know He's for me and not against me. And if He is wanting to allow His word to come and to pierce and to to divide, I need to submit to that and trust in that. Let's look at Hebrews 4 if you're still there. And go to verse 13. It says, And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to His eyes, of Him to whom we must give account. We're being held accountable for the word of God that we hear. We're being held accountable for that. Man, I'll tell you what. I said this, and if you've been through our Trek program, you probably agree with me. Um, It's both a wonderful experience, and it really is frustrating at the same time. It's frustrating because you learn more of the Word of God, and you learn more tools of how to walk out the freedom that Christ has given you, and now you're responsible for it. It was easier when I could just play the victim. It was easier when I could just blame this person or blame that person, but now I've learned through the teaching of the Word of God that I need to walk in love and I need to forgive and I need to allow God to help me to navigate this situation in my life. If I didn't know that, man, but now I know. (laughs) Ah, And I can see so clearly now, sometimes when I may act or react a certain way, I see certain things and I know exactly why I'm doing that because the teaching that I learned, it held me accountable, it held me to a higher standard. You see, when we hear that word, he begins to pierce our hearts. He's holding us up to that standard. He's saying, listen, I'm wanting you to do this. That's why I've revealed this to you. That's why I've had you hear this. That's why this was spoken to you, because I'm trying to do some heart work in your life. And I may know that, but what I may not realize is that I'm accountable for that. Amen? Amen. So I can act like it's not true. I can try to ignore it. I can try to brush it off and get busy doing other things but I'm still accountable for that truth. You see, when he begins to cut and he begins to take that saw of the Word of God and he begins to operate, when he takes that sword, when he takes that two-edged sword and he begins to pierce and divide, he's doing it for my benefit. And I'll tell you what else he does. Anytime that you cut something down, what's happening is not only is there a separation, but now... Through the very word of God, he is giving me tools to build. The saw not only is an instrument and a tool that cuts, 
but the saw is also a tool that enables me to build. It enables that builder to build. If you have your Bible, go to James 1 and verse 21. James is right after the book of Hebrews, so just flip over just a few pages. James 1 and verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. You see, we have to receive the implanted word with meekness which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, he goes away, he immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." You see this Word of God that is cutting. It's wanting to separate. It's wanting to help cut to the core. But also, when we take that saw of the Word of God, just imagine cutting down a tree and how you take that tree from its natural state all the way to planks of lumber that have actually enabled me to actually build. So God is not just wanting to separate And he's not only just wanting us to be exposed at the very core so he can deal with things in our lives, but he's also wanting us to build and establish new things in our lives. Amen? Amen. You see, your words are never void of power. They always do one of two things. They're either building up or they're tearing down. Some things in our lives need to be torn down. Amen? Amen? Some things in our lives need to be built up. Speaking the word of God will help us to grow in building up and in tearing down. It will cast down those things in our lives that need to be broken, those things that need to be crumbled, and it will help us to build up the things in our lives that need to build up. And you not only need to hear the word of God on Sunday morning, but you need to hear it every day. Amen, Amen, somebody. Let me tell you, my mom is a great example of this. We had a bathroom mirror that was covered with uh, little index cards, little four by six index cards. You could barely see yourself in the mirror because there were so many index cards on our bathroom mirror at the home that I grew up in. And every one of those index cards had scriptures written on them. So that growing up, when I went to go brush my teeth, the Word of God was right there. But my mom would read those things out loud. Because there is power in you speaking the word of God in your life. Amen? Amen. It's great for me to speak it. I'm glad you like to hear me speak it. I'm glad you like to listen to other people speak it. That's wonderful. But you need to speak the word of God for yourself. Out loud. Amen? You need to speak the word of God out loud for yourself. Because it doesn't need to just be something that you allow someone else to speak to you. You need to speak it for yourself. Because I don't want to be believing something just because someone else told me to believe it. I want to believe it because I know Him. For myself. God, I'm reminding you of your word. You said you're for me and you're not against me. Lord, your word says that you loved me so much that you gave your life for me. That you begin to speak that truth in your life. And as you speak that truth in your life, then you begin to hear it. And as you hear it, your faith is stirred and it begins to do the heart work that needs to be done. Whether that be listening, whether that be repentance, whether that be you submitting to whatever it is God is trying to deal with you at that moment. But you trust Him and you go, okay God, I'm going to be open to this. 
I'm going to be open to you doing heart work in me by allowing your word to convict, to encourage, to do whatever needs to be done because I want the hard areas of my life to be separated from your spirit. I want my will to be separated from, from your will because my will is going to lead me my way. Instead, I'd rather submit to your will. So show me, cut, cut divide all the filters in, in my life that I, I've been hearing things through. I've always only wanted to chase if people will only always tell me what I wanted to hear. Let me tell you something. If you're just chasing what other people are telling you in order to stroke your ego or things that you're seeking for them to say, you're not really seeking truth. You're only feeding that selfishness. You're only feeding that selfishness. Sometimes you're confronted with things that are uncomfortable or things that make you think or things that say it's time to put some action behind this and be a doer of this word and not just sit on it. Not just look for someone to agree with you, but it's time to make a change. Time to do something. Amen? Amen. Because you can't just speak the word and 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 never do it. Amen? You have to put some action to what you believe. It's not just a book of incantations that you just speak it and 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 speak it. No, you need to do it too. Amen? That's why not only do we need to be hearers of the word, not only do we need to be speakers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. Amen? Holistically approaching this word of God through hearing, speaking, and doing. I don't want to get caught just doing one of those things and leaving out the others because God wants me to walk in freedom. He wants me to walk in His love and in His truth. And for me to do that, I have to walk in His Word regardless of what I think, regardless of what I want to do. I'm going to go, okay, God, I am yours. I'm no longer my own. I'm bought with a price. So help me. Help me by allowing your Word to do the heart work that will cause me to respond. So here's what I want us to do. It's going to be a little different way to end the service this morning. But I want us to take a little bit of time, okay? Let's do this as a church family. I'm going to open up this area, this front area. If you feel led to come down, I'm going to be down here. And we're going to spend some time. There's a song I wanted, I'm, that I'm wanting to be played here in just a moment. And what I want us to do is I want us to spend time in the altar today in prayer as a church family, asking God to do two things. I want him to give us ears to hear that means cut and expose our heart and number two give us a heart to respond lord give me ears to hear and give me a heart to respond that's that's what i want you to pray this morning and allow god to do whatever he needs to do in your life god give me ears to hear help me to hear the word but lord help my heart to respond to it and not my own will but your will help me to submit to that to trust you because if i trust god what is going to happen folks i'm going to rest amen how many of us need to rest? I'm not talking about listening to Pastor Derek on Sunday afternoon type rest, you know, when you're like trying to nap. That was a joke. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the rest of the Lord to where I'm going, God, you have got me in your hands. And I can rest in your promise and in your truth. Now, show me what I need to do. Give me ears to hear. Give me a heart to respond. That's what I want us to do. You can stay in your seat and spend that time with the Lord doing that. You can join me here at the altar. Would you go ahead and play the music? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.